Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this time of prayer to ask God for healing from depression and anxiety. My name is Father Jason Brooks. I'm a legionary of Christ, living and serving in the Detroit Archdiocese. So I'd like to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we gather here this morning in the name of Jesus, and we make an act of faith that you are here with us in a special way. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to come upon each and every person participating in this retreat here this morning. We ask you to open the eyes of our hearts and the ears of our hearts so we can have a connection with you, so we can experience your closeness, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your tenderness in a personal way, in a real way that will be healing for us. Mother Mary, we entrust ourselves to you here this morning and to the intercession of St. Joseph. And we crown you, Mary, the queen of our session here as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'll just share with you a little bit about my own journey of healing. I was born a Catholic into a Catholic family. I'm the oldest of two kids. And I think I had my first encounter with depression and anxiety when I was about 10 years old and my dad battled cancer for the first time. And my mom, in trying to care for my dad, really didn't have much time for herself. And she later admitted to me that she went into a depression uh, for about six months. So it was a rather anxious time in my household and it was a time of depression for six months at least. And for a little boy, that's a long time. And so as you've been learning over the course of these uh, last few hours and, and yesterday, whenever there's chaos and trauma in the household especially, we tend to go into survival mode. We don't really feel safe and we are looking for some kind of way of coping with the difficult situation that really surpasses our capacity to process what's going on, especially when we're so young. So that was uh, an inspiration that I had in preparing for today that we want to ask God to help us feel safe here this morning. So I chose the, uh, the Good Shepherd passage from John's Gospel, which we'll get into in a minute. But that's another grace we could ask for right now. Lord, help us all to feel safe here this morning, to know that you are with us, that you want to be here with us, that you want to comfort us. We make that act of faith right now, right at the beginning of this session. So I joined the seminary when I was 21 years old. I joined the Legionaries of Christ and things went very well for me for a long time. 
Uh, I was in formation for 10 years. I was ordained in 2004 at St. Mary Majors in Rome on Thanksgiving Day in the year of the Eucharist. And then about five years later, my world got turned upside down, you could say. If you know the history of the Legionaries of Christ, you know that our founder was living a double life. He had abused seminarians sexually. He had affairs with women and fathered children. And so that became uh, apparent to the church and to our congregation. And so we had to go through a very extensive renewal process. And so all of that really gave me permission to start feeling things and admitting things to myself and to others that I had had a hard time admitting. And I think that's another grace that we could ask for here today. Lord, please help me to admit to myself and to you and to other people who are trustworthy that I need help, that I need love and comfort, that I need somebody to listen to me and affirm me and validate my feelings and my experiences. That's really important in our healing process. So that started for me slowly but surely after this renewal process began. And then I would say it took off in 2015 when I attended my first retreat with Bob Schutz in Tallahassee, Florida and the John Paul II Healing Institute. And then from there, I participated in other programs and have been blessed to meet a lot of very good people, counselors, prayer ministers who have prayed with me and encouraged me and affirmed me along my, my journey. So uh, I don't know that I'm an expert in healing depression and anxiety, but I certainly have experience and I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work through me here today and he's going to touch your heart in a way that will just continue to help you heal Healing doesn't usually happen in an instant, and I'm sure you've heard that from the other presenters. It tends to be a process, and we would like it to be linear. We would like to go from A to B to C, and then just forget about A and B, but it usually doesn't happen that way. That's my experience anyway. It tends to be more cyclical, seasonal, and as we grow in capacity, to, to pray and to feel and to share, to be vulnerable with ourselves and with God and with others, well, then we're able to look more deeply at what happened to us and to process that. And so, yeah, it's, it's not a linear process, but it's one that takes patience and a lot of perseverance. So we pray for that grace today too for all of us. Lord, help us to be patient with ourselves Help us to persevere in this process. And if there's one thing that I believe God wants to teach all of us through this process, it's how to be genuinely kind and gentle to ourselves as we experience his kindness and his gentleness, his tenderness, his mercy. As we experience that in a more personal way, well, then we're able to be more genuinely kind and compassionate and, and gentle towards ourselves and naturally then towards others. So 
without any further ado, let's just read from the Psalms, Psalm 23. Before I get into John 10, the Good Shepherd, let's look at the Old Testament. Let's look at the Psalm, Psalm 23, where Jesus says very clearly, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters, he leads me to revive my drooping spirit. He guides me along the right path. He is true to his name. If I should walk in the valley of darkness, no evil would I fear. You are there with your crook and your staff. With these, you give me comfort. You have prepared a banquet for me in the sight of my foes. My head you have anointed with oil. My cup is overflowing. Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. In the Lord's own house shall I dwell forever and ever. So I think it's helpful to make an act of faith in all that we just heard. And I really encourage you to go back and to pray with Psalm 23. But one of the things I've been impressed with in a sense, over the last couple of years, is the importance of faith. The Catechism says that, I'm paraphrasing, but that God reveals himself to us. Christianity is a religion of revelation, you could say. God has revealed himself to us throughout history. And so what is our proper response to that revelation of God? It's faith. And so as we make acts of faith in all that we hear and all that we experience of God in his presence and his goodness and his providence, our faith grows. How does, like a muscle you might say, like any virtue, how does it grow? By exercising it. So when we make acts of faith, our faith grows. And God will affirm that act of faith. He'll confirm it in different ways, in very personal ways. And so then we have even more and more confidence, more hope then. Faith leads to hope. And we certainly need to make an act of hope today as well. Let's do it right now. Lord, we hope in you. Lord, we trust in you. We hope in your mercy. We hope in your goodness and kindness. We hope in the rest and in the safety and the security that you want to provide for us as our loving father, as our good shepherd. And we ask you, Lord, to increase in us that hope and that faith and that love. Lord, help us to love all that is good and true and beautiful about you, about ourselves, and about all of creation. Lord, help us to love all that is good and true and beautiful about you and about ourselves. Amen. So these are all little prayers that we'll just keep praying and keep trusting and keep believing that God is at work here. God is meeting us right here, right now, today. That was really what was on my heart as I was praying this morning in anticipation of this time. God wants to be here with you and with me right now. Let's make an act of faith in that. Lord, I believe that you want to be here with me right now. 
And not just in a physical sense, in, in whatever space you might be in, but in every sense. God wants to be with us in every sense of the word, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically, spiritually. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and he wants to be with us. He wants to be with you right here, right now, where you're at. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're at right now, and he also knows where he wants to lead you and how he wants to help you to develop, to flourish. So you can experience the abundant life that he came to give us. So speaking of the abundant life, let's go into John 10 right now. If you have your Bibles handy, it's the gospel of John chapter 10. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. A reference there to Psalm 23. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's a great scripture passage to memorize. John 10, 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And right before that, Jesus reveals the the, uh, strategy of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he's all about. That's what the devil's all about. He wants to steal and kill and destroy our peace and our joy, our happiness. That's what... He's all about, that's his strategy. That's his agenda, you could say. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. And I know if you're struggling with depression or anxiety, you're probably saying to yourself, well, I would certainly love some of that, but that hasn't been my experience. Or I had that experience before and now I've seemed to to have lost that. And so we're going to just keep praying today that we can have a new experience of that today. And then from today, going forward, that we could have more and more of those experiences that just start building on one another. That we gain a certain momentum, if you will, a joyful momentum that little by little will deliver us from anxiety and depression. Let's keep reading. I'm the good shepherd The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, 
whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. As the father knows me and I know the father. So you may not feel like or believe that you know God so well, but know at least that he knows you. He knows you very well. He knows you very intimately, very personally. Like I was just saying a moment ago, he knows where you've been and he knows where you're at. And he understands your struggles. He understands your heartache. He understands your anxieties. He understands your depression. And he does want to bring relief. He does want to deliver you from that. He does want to heal you. And let's, again, make an act of faith in that and an act of hope in that. And that we cooperate with his grace, whatever that means for us. It's going to be different for each and every one of you. But Lord, help us to cooperate with your grace. You're all here today. And we can have an expectant faith. I like to use that qualifier, that adjective, expectant faith. What does that mean? Simply, it means that we can expect something to happen. We can expect God to show up for us. We can expect God to have something good for us. That's an expectant faith. And and when you've made an effort like you have today to be here, to take this time and to spend the money and to make room in your schedule for this healing retreat, God is going to bless that. He's going to honor that, I like to say. He will always honor whatever little act of faith and hope and love you make, and he will bless it. Remember what he said about the faith, the size of a mustard seed? So even just with a little bit of faith, God can do great things. And so again, we pray for patience, we pray for perseverance, and we pray that we can continue to express and make these acts of faith and hope and love. Let's keep going a little bit here in John 10. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus didn't have to die, but he chose to do so out of love for you. I like to say he chose to die for you because he couldn't imagine living without you. You make God perfectly happy just the way you are and just for who you are, I should say. You make God perfectly happy just for who you are, not because of what you do. And not because of what other people think about you or because of what you have, but just for who you are. And he wants you to know that today. And that's a good thing to make an act of faith in as well. Lord, I believe that I make you perfectly happy just the way I am. You can repeat that. Jesus, I believe that I make you perfectly happy just the way I am. And that you want me to know that. 
that you want me to experience your presence, your closeness, your loving embrace more and more. So we'll, we'll get into that more. Let me just finish with this. This is jumping ahead a little bit to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So I think there's a few things we can take out of that. Number one, we are God's. We belong to him. You belong to God. He has claimed you for himself. I'm assuming most of you are baptized, but even if you're not, God has claimed you for himself. But at baptism, it was the father who claimed you through the son in the spirit. Such a Trinitarian act, right? That's why it's baptism. That's why... We are brought into the life of the Trinity through baptism. It's the Father claiming us through the Son in the Spirit. And we were sealed with the sign of the cross by the priest and our parents and godparents when we were baptized. And that was God's way of claiming us for himself. And nobody can take that away. No matter what has happened to you, no matter what you've done, that identity that you received from God, that you were given by God, can't be taken away. That's good news. And maybe that's a lie that you've had a, a hard time uh, not believing. The lie that you don't belong to God. The lie that your very identity has been stolen because of what has happened to you. If you were used or abused in a in a very uh, deep way, profound way, that left a, a deep wound in your soul, in your spirit, in your body, it could be easy to believe that you have been permanently damaged or that somehow your identity was stolen from you. But I just wanted to read that today because you still belong to God and you always belong to God. Nobody can take that away from you. God is more powerful than any sin, than any depression, than any anxiety. God is bigger than all of that. And he wants you to know that today. Well, let us move a little more formally into some prayer now. I feel like we have a, a scriptural foundation for, for God's desire to be with us. And he said it, we can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. We are his sheep, the sheep of his flock. And so we also want to make an act of faith in that. Lord, we believe that we can hear your voice. Jesus, we believe that we are the sheep of your flock and that we can hear your voice. We believe that you want to speak to us today, that you want to speak to our hearts. And that might, that might be a new concept for some of you. And I myself have grown a lot in that in the last few years hearing from God. So let's just review re real quickly how God might be speaking to us today. And not just during this session, but throughout the day and, and really throughout your whole life. How might God speak to you? And I say speak maybe in, in quotations. But he can put a thought in our heads. 
You know, if you were just to say your name right now in your head, say your full name. So whatever that thought sounded like, whatever saying your own name in your own mind sounded like, well, God can speak to you through you. So that's probably what God's voice is going to sound like for you. He can also give you an image uh, using your imagination. I think sometimes we discount how God can use our imagination for good. <laughs> maybe, some, maybe some of us struggle with uh, you know, bad thoughts or bad images coming into our imagination, into our memory, but God can use that for good too and for healing, believe me. And so we want to pray, Holy Spirit, sanctify our imagination today. Holy Spirit, sanctify my imagination. Use it for good. Use it to reveal to me your goodness, truth, and beauty today in a new way. Help me to see images that will inspire me, that will help me to feel safe and loved and cherished. Amen. So God can use our thoughts, our imagination. Of course, he can put certain intuitions as well, certain uh, It's a gentle knowing, you might say, that comes to us from above that gives us peace and joy so that we know it it comes from God. Uh, He can also uh, speak to us with a direct word, not that we hear it with these ears, but a a word that comes into our, our, our conscience. So that's another way that we can sometimes hear from God. And of course, he can use songs and his, his word, of course, and nature, friends, right? The many ways that God can communicate to us. And he wants us to have confidence in that. Of course, we need to discern it. We need to, you know, line it up with, with the word of God itself and see if it, if it makes sense, if it, if it harmonizes with God's word. But we know that when there's a certain peace and joy that comes from this experience of hearing from God, that it's... Uh, going to bear fruit and it's going to help us heal. So uh, with that, let's continue to ask God now to, to help us enter into a more formal time of, of prayer and healing prayer. Going back to that image of the door, it's something that has helped me pray with people. If it helps you today, great. I want you to use it. But to imagine a door, so we're going to engage our imagination And if you want to imagine the door of a safe place, whether it's the front door of your home, maybe it's just the door of your bedroom or or of a church, perhaps. Uh, And if that's not helpful, you don't have to use it. You can just think of of a safe place, of a beautiful place where you do feel safe, where you feel loved. And maybe you even struggle with that. So you can even just imagine a place that would feel safe. So you can just try to imagine what the the door, we're going to imagine a door, if you will, to that place. So if it is the front door of your house, the door of your bedroom or whatever room in the house or your apartment that feels safe or that you tend to pray in, you can just imagine that. What does that door look like? What color is it? What kind of door handle is there? What is that door handle made out of? What shape is it? So we're just engaging our imagination here a little bit. 
What kind of lighting is there? Is it natural lighting? Is it electric light? Is it candlelight? Is it soft light or is it really bright light? Some people prefer softer light. Some people really like the room lit up. So you get to choose what you prefer. So we're, we're looking at this door and we're gonna open the door. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. That's another beautiful scripture passage. Let me just reference it really quickly. Uh, it's, it's from Revelation uh, chapter three. Revelation chapter three, verse eight. Uh, well, that says, let me read that. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. And and so we can just be assured that God is standing at the door and he's knocking and he wants to come in. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. So God is with us. He's standing at the door and he's not gonna force his way in. He's gonna wait for us to open the door, but he wants to assure us that he comes not to judge us, not to criticize us, not to condemn us in any way, but Jesus is at the door and he wants to speak words of life to us. He wants to bless us. He wants to affirm us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to comfort and console us. That's why he comes. That's why the good shepherd comes. He comes to save. He comes to heal. He comes to deliver. Remember how he announced his, his mission in the synagogue at Nazareth. I know Bob Schutz likes to read that passage. That's why I didn't read it today but he was reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and announcing his mission there, that he came to pro proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captives free. So this is what he wants, and this is what he has the power to do. So on the count of three, we can open the door. Maybe you've already opened the door and you're saying to yourself, Father Jason, just be quiet now, please. <laughs> But if you haven't opened the door yet, we want to open the door on the count of three and just let Jesus in. And he, he's got a big smile on his face. He, he is full of affection, divine affection for you. And he wants to communicate that to us today. So on the count of three, we can just open the door slowly, gently. One, two, three can push open the door or, or pull the door open. And there's Jesus. And again, use your imagination. Maybe it's uh, Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen. Maybe it's Jim Caviezel from The Passion or some other painting or image of Jesus, Divine Mercy, whatever it might be. Just try to imagine Jesus standing there, smiling, happy to see you, And you can welcome him in to sit down with you.
He wants to come in. Remember, he wants to be here with you. And he sees you. And he hears you. He, I, that's the theme for this retreat. God hears us. So we can hear his voice, but he also hears your voice. And he wants to let you know that. That he has heard the cry of the poor. He has heard your cry. He knows the desires of your heart. So maybe you want to sit down with him or maybe you just want to go for a walk. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, wherever you feel inspired to go. But God wants to go with you. He wants to be with you. Holy Spirit, come. And maybe you're not getting much of an image, but maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're feeling that electricity, that tingling, that warmth, or that cool. Maybe you're feeling a breeze. Maybe you're feeling like someone's holding you right now, or maybe you feel kind of heavy, like the weight of God. Maybe you feel really light. These are all different. I forgot to mention that earlier, that you can experience God through those physical sensations. That's God. Those physical sensations, that's also God's presence. And the emotional reactions, that can also be a sign of God's presence. Maybe you're, maybe you're crying right now. Maybe you're laughing right now. Maybe you feel something being lifted off of your shoulders or off of your heart, off of your back, off of your head, off of, you know, removing from your brain some cloud. Maybe you just feel it lifting right now as Jesus comes in the room, as he comes into your presence. So those are all legit ways of being in the presence of God and, and, and feeling his presence. Those are ways that God will speak to you as well through those physical sensations, through those emotions. So don't be discouraged if you don't get a word or you're not getting a real clear image, but maybe all of a sudden you're feeling this tingling and a light. Some people see a light, just a bright light. Again, that's God. Jesus is the light of the world. So maybe you just see a bright light right now. And maybe you feel this tingling. Maybe you are seeing his face. Lord, show us your face. We want to see your face. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. You can keep praying that. Maybe it's not going to happen for you right now. Maybe it'll happen later when you're all by yourself. I like to, to tell people that I often have the most profound experiences of God's presence when I'm in the car, when I'm driving by myself. And I might be just praying in silence or I might be praising and worshiping to one of my favorite songs. But oftentimes for me, it happens most powerfully in the car. So don't be discouraged if you're not really feeling something powerful right now. Sometimes it's hard when you hear somebody else speaking like me right now. But that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. That doesn't mean that God isn't here because he's here. He's absolutely here. I'm feeling his presence. I'm getting an image of him 
again, his, his, his gaze can bring such healing too. The way that God sees you and know that he sees you with love. You can make that act of faith right now. Jesus, I believe that you love to see me. And that's a great little definition of joy. How, how is it that I experience joy? How can, how can I be lifted out of depression and out of anxiety? By knowing that I am in the presence of somebody who is happy to see me. By experiencing in my flesh, in my heart, in my soul, that I am in the presence of somebody that is happy to be with me, who is happy to see me. Because we're made for connection. We're made for that communion. And God wants to be connected to you. He wants to be in communion with you. He wants to be close to you. And even if you have a hard time being close to people right now, that's okay. He'll keep his distance. He'll absolutely respect that. He'll honor that. If, if being too close to him right now feels uncomfortable, doesn't feel real safe, well, he'll honor that. He will keep his distance out of love for you and out of respect for you. Because he knows. He knows where you're at, and that's okay. That's okay. He's not upset. He is so patient. He is so understanding. He knows what you need. He knows what you're comfortable with. And I think that's another thing to just keep in mind throughout your whole healing process. He'll always respect where you're at and honor that. And he won't impose his will on you. He won't impose any part of this healing process on you. He'll always respect your free will. He'll always respect your freedom. So let's, let's ask the Lord to help us pray. I know that some of you have already been led through some forgiveness prayers. You've asked God for forgiveness. Maybe you've done some renouncing already. I'd like to just lead you through some, some more renouncing some more forgiveness. It never hurts. <laughs> there's always more. If there's one thing I've learned in the last few years from Encounter Ministries in particular, there's always more. So we ask God to have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, please forgive me for my sins. Forgive me especially for my lack of trust, for my pride, for my ungodly self-reliance, for relying and trusting more in my own survival techniques and coping mechanisms than in you and in your mercy. And God knows we don't even do that uh, on purpose or very consciously sometimes. He knows that we can get triggered. But Lord, we recognize that we have done things that aren't very helpful. 
that may have even been hurtful to ourselves or to others or to you. And so for that, we ask forgiveness, Lord. Please forgive me. Please forgive us. And we want to offer forgiveness towards others. And you can repeat after me. And maybe I should just say too, I know that Abby's going to be speaking about forgiveness more, so I don't want to get into it too much, but to hear it from a Catholic priest could be very helpful. So there is a difference between forgiving somebody and reconciling with someone. I think we Catholics tend to equate forgiveness with reconciliation, but they are not the same thing. And God does not command us to reconcile this side of heaven because he knows that sometimes that's just uh, impossible because it takes two people who are ready, willing, and able to be reconciled. And sometimes the other person who hurt us or that we hurt, they're not willing, uh, able, or ready. And so that's not on us. God doesn't ask us to do the impossible. But to forgive is our choice. Sometimes it's a really hard choice. It's a painful choice. But we essentially take the debt that is owed us because of the way we were treated and we give that to God. We say, God, here's this debt that's owed me by this person and I can't reconcile that. I can't settle the score with that person. I can't judge them. But I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to forgive their debt and I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. And I'm going to let you settle the score with them. And I ask you to be merciful towards them. I ask you to to also be just, to be the just judge. But I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of it. So you can pray with me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I willingly forgive anyone who has hurt or harmed me including, and perhaps the Holy Spirit is putting someone on your mind in particular right now. I forgive them from the bottom of my heart and I ask God to bless them. And we can even repeat that last line a couple more times. I forgive them from the bottom of my heart and I ask God to bless them. I forgive them from the bottom of my heart and I ask God to bless them. And I'll just pray as a priest right now. I witness your forgiveness. I ask God to heal any unforgiveness and inner wounds and trauma. May God heal you and all those who have hurt you. May you be released from any dysfunctional attachments, be healed in your heart and set free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, may you be healed. In the name of Jesus, be at peace. Amen. So in these last few minutes that we have, let's also renounce some of these spirits uh, and lies and fears that we may have. And I'll pray then for for healing and deliverance of those things. And then we'll finish up with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Father's blessing. So in the company of Jesus, let's not lose our attachment to Jesus because our communion with him and our attachment to him is going to help. 
And we, we got to keep bringing these things to the Lord. He knows how difficult it can be to forgive, to forgive ourselves. Some, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. So to pray about that, to pray about forgiving others, to ask God for the grace, for his power, his presence, his love to help us because that's absolutely necessary. So Jesus, we are with you again. We reconnect with you in our safe place, in our beautiful place. And we can pray. You can just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of depression. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of danger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of intimidation. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of trauma. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of repression. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of denial. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of exhaustion. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of abuse. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of loneliness. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of isolation. Let's renounce some of these lies. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that nobody cares about me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I have to take care of myself. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm not good enough. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm unlovable. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that nobody wants to be here with me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that God doesn't care about me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that God doesn't want to be here with me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that it's hopeless. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'll never get better. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm in danger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that nobody sees me. In the name of Jesus, I'm switching gears here. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the orphan spirit. And let's do a couple fears. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the fear of rejection. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the fear of abandonment. Okay, I'm gonna pray for 
healing and deliverance here now. So now in the name of Jesus and by the power of his holy cross and his precious blood and with the sword of the spirit, I now break the power of all these evil spirits and lies and fears that you just renounced. And I command them all to go now directly and immediately to the foot of the cross to be dealt with by Jesus as he wills. You will go bound. You will not touch or harm anything or anyone on the way. You will never come back and you will never send anything in your place. You will in fact be crushed by the heel of the mother of God. Amen. And now in this last minute, I'm going to pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. We pray for baptism in the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, come. Heavenly Father, let the fire fall. Help us to feel in our hearts the divine affection that you feel for us. Help us to feel your closeness. Help us to know that you want to be here with us. Help us to know experientially through the power of the Holy Spirit that you are, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you, that you love us, that you see us, that you care about us, that you are providing for us, that you are healing us. Holy Spirit, come. Mother Mary, we again thank you for your presence here, for the angels and the saints that have accompanied us here, especially Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, our guardian angels. We ask that they continue to minister to us and to protect us. And I just pray, Jesus, that all of the good that was received here today would be sealed with your precious blood upon all of those who participated from the top of their heads down to the tips of their toes in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Recording stopped.